so we're going to do something a little different with this episode. I'm going to address an inquiry. Uh, I've been asked, why are the titles for our episodes questions? It's because we don't have answers. We bring on courageous folks who dare to dream. Dream about a new state where people initiatives can be more effective tomorrow than they were today or yesterday. And what's important is the perspective each guest brings. We do have some who grew up in L&D or change management. And as a result, they have varying experiences across a number of organizations. In some cases, we have folks who bring on perspective uh, from other fields. This morning, we published a podcast with a sniper who turned an inner school teacher who is now a practitioner and consultant. But Shahid, I have to say, when I reviewed the list of our guests and thought about their experiences and backgrounds, yours stood out. I think it's incredible. I think the breadth of experiences you've had are going to be enlightening for us. So before we kick it off for our audiences, would you mind introducing the highlights of your journey so that it helps them understand the perspective that you bring? Yeah, absolutely, Adam. And I, as you know, that a lot of people who we meet in the learning industry um, have uh, stumbled upon this career, right? And they got into learning by chance and then grew into this field and polished their craft over a period of time. So I had a similar journey, but what's a little different in my case is basically uh, I was consciously picking up other skills while I was in L&D and the experiences that I had working with different organizations, they had quite different things to offer. And I was curious and I was uh, lucky, I would say, to be at the right place at the right time. You may call it that or... I said yes to a lot of newer things in my career, which usually was not seen as a conventional career move uh, when it comes to you know career choices. But I was making those choices, keeping a longer term plan in mind. I was curious and I wanted to learn more and make sense of what's going on around me, how certain things hang together. And that was my big thing. So uh, I started my career in marketing and advertising, and I was basically fascinated with the the science behind the whole process and the art of storytelling. And you know, you know, you we always had a number in mind in terms of are you increasing the sales or the share of wallet or you know launching a new product or service, and basically caching the value in exchange of the value that you generate for the consumers or the or the customers and uh, spent uh, some time there. And then I got into le- a learning company right after that because I was looking for more. And uh, you know f- that company was functionally really strong and technologically sound, and it ran like a factory. So I learned a lot about training modalities, instructional design, uh, development tools. I did a lot of hands-on work, but I was a graphic designer there. I had uh, graphic designers in advertising, but I I was doing this hands-on on my own. I was there for a couple of years. And again, I was curious. I wanted to learn more. So I got into a startup. So a startup filled, uh, you know, fitted really nicely with my experience of, you know, new product launches or, or, or the marketing uh, concepts. And I learned a lot uh, again there, seeing this so close from business standpoint, from seeking funding to stakeholders, returns, early adopters, scaling up, etc., and how do you create a business model that actually works? Um, uh, then uh, I worked there again for two and a half years, and I moved to a GE company. And GE was, uh, you know, this was uh, G Capital International Services uh, in India. 
that became Genpak later on. But uh, that organization taught me so much around structured quality, process, process improvement. How do you actually control a process, improve it, and fine tune it? Uh, and and what's amazing, uh, I learned there was how do you status the uh, the uh, sorry question the status quo at the same time. And I was there for five years and learned a lot about project management, program management. Uh, I was working on a lot of sales enablement tools, and I was continuously able to apply what I learned in marketing and advertising. And that was the way my mind was wired. And because of that questioning, I was put in charge of most of the projects where I would directly talk to the customers. And uh, while I was leading projects, large teams, as well as project manager, I got interested in uh, UX as well. So I went for my certification uh, in UX. So I was a certified usability analyst and I did a lot of work in that area. And that confused a lot of people where they thought uh, I was confused, but I was just curious and I was trying to learn Uh, or fill one of the gaps that I had. Like I knew the product development. I understood marketing and advertising. I learned about how people make changes in their behavior. But user experience was a part that was missing. So I thought I'll learn. It was quite early in the, in, in for that time. It was 2006. But then uh, in 2009, I moved to uh, Milwaukee here to manage a large learning and development team. Um, and I had six, seven project managers here in the U.S. And then I uh, had a really large team, anywhere from, you know, 25 to 75 in India. So did a lot of uh, learning and develop, learning development, uh, all sorts of modalities you can think of from, you know, basic e-learnings to app-based learning, game-based learning and 3D video and all those things. And... Um, uh, you know, I kept picking up more skills. I went for my certification in, uh, you know, ROI or ROE as Kirkpatrick puts. So I went for that certification as well, did my PMP as well. And then recently I finished uh, my MBA. And now I'm with a company called uh, Taneko and I'm responsible for uh, learning development and leadership development at all levels. And uh, anything that's pushed by the organizational leaders to the company. And uh, my company, basically, we are the largest designers, manufacturers, and marketers of automotive products. We have more than 72,000 team members across the globe, and we have 260-plus uh, sites worldwide. So this is my, you know, in brief, my journey. But yes, I'm I'm really curious. I love the business side of it. I, I, I'm not your traditional learning and development individual where I've, I've not grown, grown from instructional design background or... You know, uh, that sort of, I'm not a PhD in, 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 in instructional design, but I try and make sense of my world with, with various, uh, you know, angles. Not, not your typical L&D expert. And in many ways, as I think about the future of people initiatives, I think the kind of experiences you've had are the kind of experiences that are going to be needed in order for us to think differently. But before we talk about the future, I loved how you were able to help me summarize a, a, a current state or an end of an era from an L&D perspective. And we've had episodes where we talked about, you know, the check the box initiative days are over. The days of building catalogs are over. Uh, we're going to evolve. But if you were to describe this era of L&D that we continue to think is, is going to be in the rearview mirror, how, how would you describe the current state? Well, the current state is um, it's still um, siloed or we are still looking at it as, you know, as... as as um, 
different processes, a sequence of events where you, you know, take an order. If you go to a restaurant, you take an order and uh, you sit there, you wait and someone will come and, you know, serve you. And then first, second, third, and then you have a full course meal. You may or may not like it. And then you might feel, you know what, this was not my whatever. Let's try something else next day to uh, to a point where we are still repeating the same thing and expecting different results. Right. Learning and development has to be embedded into every part of the, uh, 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 you know, every part of change in the company. If you look at from consulting language standpoint, we talk about people process technology. You, know, you can outsource your, your process, your technology. You can get experts to come and do that for you. But how people behave, how they reflect, how they do their work is changing. The user experience outside the organization is changing, but the organization is not changing. So if the leaders, the CHROs, or whosoever is in charge of learning in the company, uh, and mostly it's CHROs, right? So if they still see is, uh, see uh, learning as always the three level down, when we have a thing and when we have some sense of change management, we can hand it over to someone who can create a program or two, you're doing it wrong. So we see that happening, still happening, and it's really the pace at which uh, you know the changes are happening, or the technology is flooding in. There is a solution out there for everything, right? And in and and why it's easy to buy because these are tangibles, right? These products come in with with some level of, you know, this is what we are going to solve for you. You embed in, into your organization, and you should be good. But the problem is the intangible, right? You still people do not know what are they trying to solve for. And if we don't have that understanding, then you will continue to buy these products, try and embed them into your into your organization, and it will not work because they don't talk to the other systems that sit inside the organization. So uh, right now, it feels to me like there is a central strategy that's missing. The context is missing. And uh, it's, it's one of the, you know, one of the aspects of operations or cost of doing business that, oh, we need to invest in L&D without realizing what, what, where you're spending and how can you actually do it better. So everybody's trying to figure out uh, on their own. And we still see that, you know, when we, when we go to these conferences or we talk to other learning professionals, they say, oh, we have to be more, you know, we have to have the consulting approach. I think all learning professionals are asking the right questions, but are they asking the broader questions? Are they asking, uh, are they, are they, they, do they have the seat at the table from the very beginning where they can actually influence some of these things instead of saying, should we buy this piece of technology or should we actually do something else to ensure people understand this? So all of us are sort of like blindfolded and trying to uh, understand our own picture, right? So this reminds me of the, you know, the, the elephant and the six men story where we don't know the full strategy. We don't know what's going on. It's so disjointed. It's so disjointed and every year you see this happening again at in repeat. So it's it's broken for sure. There's something you said in our first conversation comparing this L&D to IKEA. Yes. So I, I you know, you, when you go to IKEA, this, this, the, you see there was really nice, uh, you know, uh, organized bedrooms or, you know, the learning, I mean, the, 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 you know, the living rooms and whatnot. And you buy some of these things at home and then you see at home and like, ah, this doesn't look like what I, what I saw there. And then the other thing is when you go to the IKEA Clarence Center, 
they don't have they have pieces there so you can buy some of these pieces you can bring them home and you can build whatever without the instructions without the tools at hand and what you come up with you won't you won't like it so it's not sustainable i wouldn't even know where to begin if i bring back ikea furniture without a plan uh, to me that's just junk move move on so 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 so, so let's turn our attention to the future which is can, the first question would be where do we begin you mentioned that we're not at the at the table, the executive table, to understand the full view. How would you see a, a state where L and D can be more impactful, more effective toward meeting business goals? Yeah, that's a of course a million dollar question, but at the same time, we do know that one this current current uh, methodology or framework or whatsoever you call it, the approach is not working. I think LND also needs to understand, um, but we we need to play a much better role, right? We we if you're waiting for change to happen, that's not going to happen. We need to change our conversations. We need to be able to go and speak the language the business speaks. Uh, we should be able to ask powerful questions. We should be uh, ready to actually say that yes, I understand how business or how do we make money. How do we uh, ship our products? How do we you know, service our customers? For the longest time I've heard, and I'm guilty of that as well, uh, you know, when, we, when you talk to subject matter experts in business and they say, oh, you are learning, right? How do you know our business? You won't be able to write about you know, this aircraft engine or whatever it is. And we used to say, and I've heard this from my seniors as well, saying, oh, what we do for a living is different from what you do for a living. I think that phase is over. So we need to actually truly go and understand, spend some time either in the manufacturing uh, you know, plants or distribution centers or service centers, so call centers, anywhere, and just understand the pain points of these individuals. Go beyond the typical, you know, the financial documents to say income statement and cash flows. No, you need to understand, um, you know, how uh, the, 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 the behavior of individuals or the habits of these individuals result into the business outcomes what are the variables that actually are at play and how do they intersect how do are they connected if we don't understand that you can you can't expect me to have that conversation with my senior most leader and waste their time to talk about learning and you know development terminologies or neuroscience or anything that's we we are passionate about that but until unless you speak their language they won't give you the second chance so one is definitely we need to get development. We need to also seek out uh, areas of expertise. If you are a chief learning officer, I would highly encourage you to go and you know build a team that looks uh, diverse. Uh, hire somebody from UX uh, standpoint to see how can you actually jumpstart and not uh, and 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 not uh, push people through a painful experience. Right? Uh, you could actually also have someone from data analytics uh, team to figure out. Uh, these variables and see what's the correlation between absenteeism and the uh, and and your you know your labor rates for example or how much you're paying in overtime or what's the impact of uh, if you take an example of call center like how what's the impact of a new hire or turnover on your quality of your calls or the duration of your calls or uh, you know how many times a customer has to call you to you know to get the resolution all of these things are interconnected so are you uh, a little bit of everything as a team uh, of course i understand you cannot be everything but how do you actually look at the team construct and say 
Do I understand this correctly? Am I asking the right questions? Um, in most cases, you know, people will uh, come and tell you that, oh, we have a turnover problem. Well, turnover is not your problem. That's the symptom of the problem. How do you actually differentiate the two? Differentiate the two and understand, uh, well, what's leading to what? And if I can see this in a pattern, if I am able to fix this in a pilot or in, in, in a closed environment, what's my predictive analytics uh, going to say? Can I replicate this? What variables are at play? And not everything is going to be learning. So you have to be ready to walk out and say, you know what, this is not a learning solution. Let's double click. And I like the analogy you made earlier. You said order taking, right? You talked about a restaurant. So we're moving from that into a world where an L&D uh, leadership understands the business innately. And uh, let's walk through at the highest level the discussion between that and uh, operational leadership where operational leaders come in and say, okay, here's my problem. Here's how I would like the solution to work. Or how would you how would you frame that conversation? So I can give you an example of, uh, you know, five years back when I joined uh, our organization here, I was probably a week into uh, the role. And my leader, she was the chief learning officer in the company, and she took me to one of the executives. And he had a list of courses for me. He was like, hey, Shahid, great, nice to meet you. I have these five courses. He had a, a, a you know, sticky note and he gave handed it over to me. I was like, yeah, that's great. Let me, let me ask you about a few other things. My conversation with him was not about, okay, is this the list? When do you want it? And et cetera. I asked him, okay, so I heard the CEO talk about the revenue, the cash and the margin and people. Uh, how how what what's what do you what's your take on those things? And he described in few minutes that oh that's important. This is how we make money. Margins are absolutely more important, and we are all about people. I said okay. So Peter, tell me what do you do and how do you contribute to to these uh, variables or outcomes? And he took a pause and was like well, and he he was one of the executives in HR, and he had to think a little bit. He was like oh maybe I don't impact the revenue that much but I do impact margins. And then I asked him a few follow-up questions and I said, okay, explain me uh, in terms of skills, what do you do and how do you impact? And he was able to map out and he said, okay, yeah, we do these, these, these five things. And if we do this really well, we'll be able to impact these things more positively. And then I double clicked again and said, okay, what do you do really well here? And what do you need your team to do better? And he again created that and then after that i said okay let's plot this into ease of implementation versus the impact grid and we were able to quickly see what's the priority and what are the money pits that you should not invest any time and what are the low-hanging fruits versus what's the must-haves and nice-to-haves and his list that he gave me on a piece of paper looked very different from what we saw there and he was like I realize that it's not even training. I need to have this conversation with my team about this thing and I need to help them understand the connectedness between what we do and in terms of what we are trying to achieve. So it was a conversation where, you know, it was clear to him that he was not paying attention to the outcome, but he was focused on the task at hand. It's fascinating. You broke a lot of the assumptions. You broke a lot of the silos. And, and, and it's also, these are my words, but you, in a way, connected performance to behavior in a very raw form, saying what is the performance you're looking after, what are the behaviors that will impact that. 
Um, I, I, I want to take us down the marketing and advertising or, or just to understand from, from your experiences what could we learn from that world. But before I do, I want to do a quick check-in as I do in every episode. Um, how do you view the challenges in front of us to getting through to people? Uh, and by that, I'm talking about the reduced attention span, avalanche, stress level, um, all kinds of challenges that are taking place that, in my view, if we're not accounting for in any people initiative, we are not setting ourselves up for success. How do you view the challenges with the current mindset of the folks that are in organizations? So looking back at my experience in UX and uh and, and marketing, uh, the two important things that we've always paid attention to was um, what's the value that we are adding and uh, how does it intersect with uh, people's attention? Uh, so the fascinating thing with marketing or, or advertising was that you're selling somebody something in seconds right? You're not asking them to sit there for an hour long training or come for a workshop. Yes, there is a place for complicated machines where you're selling, you need more training and all that. That's part of selling. But mostly the things that you buy every, uh, you know, every month, like there are 80, if you look at data that says there are 80 products that you buy, right? Repeatedly. Uh, and, you, uh, and, and, and we used to create very small advertising or advertisements to change the way you actually make decisions, right? How do you perceive? So what's your, uh, what's the value that I'm delivering? I have to communicate that within seconds. Now, if you look at training or learning in L&D's role, we think that people are captive audience. People are not captive audience, right? We, you, you could be anywhere right now. If I'm not, you know, if not engaging enough, you'll flip your phone and check with somebody, you know, text you or did something and the idea behind this is we change the assumption that people when they walk inside the office they are captive they are not and with the remote situation now you'd have zero control over what they're doing what the employees or team members are doing i just want to highlight you you just blew my mind with that statement that it's not a captive audience i think that's an assumption on the minds of most they're your employees right by by design that that the implication could be that you you know put them in a room or put them into an experience and they're going to follow and pay attention it is not the case i i i think that's that's a foundational point that's absolutely and that's where you start where you change your you throw all your assumptions out like oh how do i grab their attention now how do i generate and desire in them to actually learn more and how do i push them to the point where that that uh, one-time behavior change becomes a habit, right? And then how do, how do I reinforce the process that you keep buying from us or you keep learning and applying what you learn again and again? So if you notice anywhere right now, uh, the duration, the time duration with uh, TikTok or YouTube shorts, it's seconds now, right? And people are using those platforms to... Uh, learn more or know more or or understand something and some paradigms are change if you do this repeatedly right so if you combine this with what's happening at uh, uh, still in the workforce is we are still focused on hiring people for jobs 
right? The shift is happening from jobs to skills. Why do you think people are breaking this into smaller Lego? I see this as a Lego piece analogy that you break it down into small pieces. Your job in learning going forward has to be to create a culture, create an environment where people know how to switch between different roles, depending on the skills, right? How can they learn something new? How can they unlearn what was, you know, what they learned in the past? How can they actually adapt and adjust to the change? And then one of the assumptions there again is that you're communicating with the team members or employees with clarity from leadership. So learning should not see themselves as a different piece of equipment uh, compared to communication. So your your part of le- part of learning role is to be to how do you provide that clarity? How do you gather everything that already exists that you don't have to over communicate or teach people so much? So how can you provide that clarity and say in that context, hey, by the way, these are the five things you need to do. When you do it, that's when you know it and uh, you need to apply it. You don't have to prepare people in a classroom or e-learning module or a LinkedIn video beforehand how can you bridge that gap to say when shahid starts to do his job can i provide that learning support right there when he needs it and over a period of time when he does that three times he watches that video and he's able to do it and now he does not need that video or or piece of learning that mindset has to change and that's where your tool set will change would you say it's, it's basically looking at the employee experience holistically as opposed to over here is the operational, and, and here it's learning. They're two disjointed employee experiences versus a single experience that includes the communication with their employees, that includes their entire journey with the company. Exactly. You said it right. It's it's all about user experience. So, uh, And I used to say this when I moved from experience into, uh, I tried to apply the user experience part into learning, but it's true. It's, it's about if you don't have a good experience, you won't probably use that product again, right? So why, there is a reason people r- genuinely dislike compliance training, right? Compliance training is painful because it forces you, right? If you have to take the sexual harassment course, because by law, you are supposed to spend either 60 or 120 minutes on training. So, you know, how do you flip that thing into really granular thing where you don't assume that people want to learn? Nobody wants to learn, by the way you it's it's who we are we want to be among people who we are familiar with we understand we have a common understanding uh, you know we, we get along with people uh, and situations like that when we have to learn something we are uh, it's a little bit stressful to say oh i don't know my job i don't know how to do this and it's on it's never along with the job that you're doing mostly people ask you to learn and then start a new job. So it's given as a performance improvement thing or something which, which puts people on the back foot of like, I, I need to learn. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sent to this training. I don't know that means, right? So what is my manager thinking or my leader thinking? How do I convert that into saying that we do what you're doing. Here is the five things that you need to you know, learn in parallel, but here's your support. Here's your uh, learning experience. And if you see... The other concept that you have to, you can apply from from marketing is looking looking at your competition, right? When we look at marketing overall, we see the four C's, right? So who's your, what's your company? What's the, you know, what's your customer, consumer? What's the context? And who's your collaborator? So co- competition, you can actually 
broadly look at your, the other company that's trying to hire your workforce. But that's not your competition only. You have, uh, you know, time is your competition. Your manager support is your competition. And uh, people, current, uh, this individual's current behavior is your competition. So how do you actually compete with those and say, how, how do I change that mindset to say, I, am, I don't see this as a change viable for my whatever, good for my business or my, myself. So you have to explain what's in it for them. You have to explain the leaders why they need to spend more time on their team members uh, and their direct reports. So that's another con, you know, thing that you can use for marketing. Yes, and, and it takes us down the, the, the rabbit hole of relevance, right? Like, why is marketing so effective? Why are, why are my, my kids glued to TikTok and, and YouTube shorts uh, against my wishes? And, and, and I fight as much as I can fight. That's reasonable, but, but it's relevant for them. And I kept asking them, I said, you know, what did you do to make it relevant on TikTok? Nah, I didn't do anything. I just continued to do what I do, and the thing gets smarter and smarter. And I look forward to the videos. I just get on now, and uh, it understands me. And, and we're almost building this muscle of expectation. Like, if you're going to send me something, it's got to be relevant to me. Um, it is a big gap to make, but do you think, Shahid, in our future that learning and development is going to bridge this gap and one day when, when, uh, when learning is taking place, it is bite-sized, it is, I think you, you and I spoke about it, as it's experimental and it's super ultra-relevant and timely. It's in context of the experience. Yes, I, I, I hope that the... Um, either the learning development or it could it could merge and be called something else maybe i don't know like it could be uh, you know you have you see the disruption happening at times where we see we're going to innovate and we're going to improve innovate to improve and all of a sudden something comes up and says you know what here is another uh, you know um, tool or process or methodology that you can use to train your team members and the traditional way of learning development is going to eventually die you have to think about user experience. You have to think about in the moment of need. And some of the algorithms that these, uh, you know, the these tools use, uh, like YouTube or TikTok and all that, uh, they they have this thing in the background where they are continuously checking with data the relevance of it. We are not doing that right now, right? We are still having this conversation where I want this so and so job role person to do these five things, and I will take fifteen you know, uh, hours of uh, classroom training or 10 hours of e-learning and then will take so much of development time. That, that is going. You have to actually think about creating a circular economy of content or learning in the organization. And when I say this, I, I definitely know what I'm talking about, but I want you to think about this as, um, you know, when people talk about creating a learning ecosystem. Learning ecosystem is an outcome of the circular economy of learning that you can create. So you have to look at what are the skills that are more relevant? What's the value that you're generating for the consumer? What's the goal of the company or the organization? And how are you, what are the skills, going back to my conversation with Peter where I asked him about the skills and things like that, what skills are adding value to the value that generate this for the customers and consumers? How do you, uh, uh, you know, how do you strengthen that? How do you ensure that uh, who all has what skills? Who are the people who are really good at it in the organization who may not be, you know, uh, we are not tapping into their skills right now. 
Look at it from a knowledge management standpoint. Are you basically putting those people together to have the conversations through a system where you can actually convert the tacit knowledge into explicit knowledge? So when people join uh, as, as new in the organization, they have clarity of the role, they have clarity of the processes or the expectations. So people will keep leaving organizations, joining leaders at, at all levels. But how do you keep the immune system of the organization intact where you have the learning agility, you have the change agility, where the, or the, the, or the organization is able to survive the test of time. Otherwise, and, and organization is like, a, is, is like a system and organism, right? How swiftly can you move? Uh, if you're not swift, if you don't change, if you have a poor uh, immune system, poor culture, and bad leadership, then all of these things will result into one thing will lead to another because it's all connected. And you will see that organization is not doing so well. And the organization that do well, they, they understand this, they work on their culture, they work on providing just the clarity and minimal things to do this right. And that's those organizations are trying to, you know, put, put uh, these technologies and processes in place that align with their goals. And they're not just slamming you know one product or process or technology or tool one after the other you said organizational immune system i i don't i've never seen that before maybe it's something for you for you to coin it's, it's just brilliant it just instinctively gives you an idea of what we're dis- discussing um my, my last question here and, and i know i'm tapping into truly the, the future of people initiatives uh, as the next season is going to focus on the technology implications you and I talked about relevance. You and I talked about, you know, TikTok and the social media. What can we learn from them? Well, certainly how they make their content relevant is technology. They understand their customer. They understand the user experience. What is your take on, you know, the technology evolution to meet the needs of what we're describing here in order to be relevant and timely and in context? Um for the future of people initiatives i think it's again it's we we're asking questions right we don't know the answers uh, where this will go but if you um look at how fast the technology is changing and what's behind the technology right technology is the f- uh, some part of it is back end some is front end front end is becoming much and much uh, so much easier uh, to work with when I mean, kids can actually operate, uh, you know, most of these apps. Uh, but what's the the engine behind that technology? It's data, right? It's superimposition of different types of data. If uh, an, in, an insurance organization can collect 2000 data points for one individual to create a product, think about the amount of data they have, right? They know the you know what? What is your age group? Where do you? What do you? How much do you make? What car you drive? What is your interest like? What do you watch? What channels you have? Uh, what clothes you buy? Right? All of this. What magazines do you? Uh, you know, subscribe to? What channels do you have? What are you watching? So if you superimpose all of this within few clicks, they can actually start to uh, to uh, funnel you into a different. You know choices and they'll start pushing you more and more choices i think we need we've been sitting on a lot of data as you know in the organization with performance data with uh, you know behavior data with business data 
if we are not able to put them into use, we will always be confused with technology. Should we actually move towards Meta or not? Should we actually buy these, uh, you know, some of these LCMSs or not, or user experience uh, systems or not? And I don't want to name any system or any process technology at this point, but I'm just saying they all have a place, uh, you know, in solving the problem. But the context is missing. Context from the organizational leadership is missing. We are not paying attention to what's the problem, how they are uh, they are connected together. And until unless we, we can do that, we cannot confidently make a decision on which technology to buy. You Your data is the most important thing is it clean is it connected is are you able to draw some inferences there and can you replicate best practices when one part of the organization to another can you build an organization that is that understands change will happen and uh, are we able to communicate with the employees to say when this happens you need to switch from this mode to that mode and if people can do that on their own you don't you don't have to do much at that point of time Right? You don't have to push people into training uh, programs. In some cases, definitely you'll have to do, but they, or they will all be spread out thin into experiences that don't look like seven days of continuous learning in a hotel uh, you know, uh, or in a facility somewhere. It will be just on the job. And if you are not bringing those technologies in um, to, to put these people together and capture the tacit knowledge, that's where you know your organization will, will will be left behind and you know slowly and gradually the shift has to be towards uh, understanding the, uh, the the context understanding the data and then uh, knowing how these things are connected and if the learning development team members can actually go and have this conversation with the leaders and leaders understand the language we speak that's 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 what i will call it a win brilliant thank you uh, my last question to you, and please keep in mind the audiences are, are, are those that are curious, that want to learn. What, what one piece of advice would you give them to, to continue on their journey toward the future? And, and part of it is talking to their leadership teams, gaining alignment with all the relevant stakeholders. But what is one piece of advice would you give for them to, to continue maybe to accelerate their journeys? I would give the same advice that I... Uh, followed uh, uh, early in my career i was just curious and i was i was learning i i understood one part of the process that i did really well but i was interested in the three other things that were connected and i tried to expand that always so when i understood uh, one portion i tried to see what, how is the system connected and i was just collecting these puzzle pieces to make sense of the bigger picture and i kept realizing that, you know, I started with 20-piece puzzle and it's a 5,000-piece puzzle right now. So uh, don't be shy to learn something very different, right? Uh, either you read or go do something else uh, or try a very different thing like I did, like UX for a learning professional. If you're an instructional designer, go learn how, you know, how people create advertisements, for example. How do you tell stories, for instance? And for people who are seasoned in a learning development, they're looking for more growth uh, and better roles. I would say go do an MBA. I mean, I it might sound cliche, but I'm telling you that's 
it i was always fascinated with business and i read a lot of books and i understood i thought i understood business but you have to go through that ex- learning experience to truly say that yes i understand and i can have that conversation with the business leaders and that's where i would say get out of your own area and talk to leaders in their language so that they when i go and talk about the shutdown condition in a of a plant they pay attention that this guy knows how when the shutdown condition reaches and he understands why we are closing a certain plant or a location and what are the reasons behind it and if i can understand those i will understand those levers and variables a lot better 5000 pieces of a puzzle not for the faint of hearts but it gives you the perspective and the challenge in front of us this has been fantastic i really appreciate you taking the time to join me today thank you adam i'm uh, glad that you invited me and uh, I enjoyed our conversation as well. Awesome. Over now.